0: everybody, and welcome back to the Out To Be Podcast. It's your host, Katie Zaccardi, and today I'm chatting with a very special guest, Carolyn Miller. She is very special not only because she is a rising, although I don't really think she's rising. She's incredibly well-known and established <laughs> country artist, Carolyn Miller. I'm going to give her more credit. Um, she is rising to the status of being Carrie Underwood, sure. But man, she has the most amazing career and she's done it all herself, completely independent, which I love. And we're going to definitely talk to her about that today. We're also going to talk to Carolyn about how to balance an artist career, an indie artist career at that where you are doing everything yourself with a coaching career and with what some might call a side hustle or another stream of income to be able to support yourself as an artist. We talk about why it's so important to have that in the first place, how to balance the two, how to grow each, uh, how to network to grow each, so much juicy stuff in this episode. In my opinion, though, Carolyn is most well-known for being the mother to my dog's brother. (laughs) So Carolyn is actually the reason I have Ziggy. And if you have listened to this podcast You know, normally I would say only if you follow me on Instagram you know Ziggy, but I'm pretty sure that Ziggy has barked a couple times on this podcast before. So if you have listened to this podcast, you know Ziggy. If you follow me on Instagram, you know Ziggy. He's a freaking, he's the best. He's the cutest dog ever. But let me tell you, his brother, Archie, who's Carolyn's dog, is also really freaking cute. Probably also the cutest dog ever. They are both the cutest dogs ever. And if you look at them together, they are complete opposites. Archie is white, Ziggy is black but they kind of look like brothers to me. And they they have the same energy, <laughs> sort of. They have the same mannerisms. Ziggy tends to, um, I don't know why, it's very funny because uh, when they, before we picked them up, when we would get videos of them, Archie was like the daredevil playing all over the place and Ziggy was this like little scaredy cat. And every time we've reunited them since, Ziggy has just been like barking at Archie and trying to get him to play and Archie's like, dude, you're kind of freaking me out. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) But they are so, so cute together and separately. And I have to give Carolyn all the credit. She is literally the reason that I have Ziggy. Uh, She had posted a a picture of baby Archie on her stories when they decided to get him. And at this time I was looking for a dog, manifesting a dog, if you will. Um, I have a video on my Instagram, IGTV, all about this. So you definitely should go watch it if you're curious for that story. But Carolyn posted a video. I reached out to her and I was like, what is this dog? Where did you get it? Tell me more information. It just so happened that Ziggy was the only one of their litter left. And now he's mine. And now we have brothers. (laughs) And they're so cute. And so... I love Carolyn for that. Uh, We we go way back. We've known each other for several years now. And it's been amazing to watch her career go, grow, to watch her have all of the success. And I'm really, really excited to have her on the podcast today to talk all about it and to give some words of wisdom to you guys and so many amazing tips that you can implement today for your artist career, for your coaching career, and for balancing both. So. Let's go ahead and get into it. I'll post a photo of me, Carolyn, and the doggos on Instagram. So head to the out to be podcast Instagram when this episode goes live. Um, and go ahead, get ready, buckle up. This is going to be a great episode. Let's go ahead and tune in with Carolyn Miller. Hey, Carolyn, and welcome to the out to be podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey. Pumped to be here. So I mostly know Carolyn as, I don't know, what would we be considered, our our puppies are brothers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we're, I feel like we're like in a mommy and me group that we just like, (laughs) we're in a mom's, a puppy mom's group. Yes,
0: well, obviously I knew you before that, but now I'm like, whenever I talk about you, I'm like, oh yeah, Carolyn, our puppies are brothers. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But um, Carolyn has a lot more to her than just that, although she's a great dog mom. Um, And we'll make sure that we post a picture of Ziggy and Archie because they are so cute when this episode airs. But anyway, Carolyn, tell us a little bit about who you really are beyond the dogs.
1: Sure. So I am, I like to say, a New Yorker with a Nashville heart. Um, I'm based on Long Island, splitting time between Long Island and Nashville. I am a country artist um well I'm an actress turned country artist I guess (laughs) it's like really the backstory um but uh yeah I I tour and play all over I got a lot of original music out and also which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit I do have my own performing arts company coaching business and um work with people of all ages and everything relating to the performing arts so it depends on the day I joke that I have the head of Montana life some days I'm on stage with uh, you know singing for 35,000 people like this past weekend and then other days like today I'm actually doing coachings of my own all day so amazing so how did you get into music
0: in the first place
1: it's very cliche kind of came out of the womb kicking and screaming that I just wanted to be on stage wanted to be singing wanted to be performing started doing dance in local community theater when I was a young kid just because my parents you know saw that I had an interest for it when I was eight I started working professionally so I got a manager and agent in Manhattan and so I grew up doing film, television, commercials, theater, voiceovers, everything in that sort of space. Um, Went to college at the Boston Conservatory, which just merged with Berklee College of Music. So I never knew how to introduce it because when I was there, it was the Boston Conservatory. now it's the Boston Conservatory at Berklee College of Music, (laughs) such a mouthful, such a mouthful. But anyway, I went there. (laughs) Um, Graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree, came out, still continue to do a lot of cool things in show business. wasn't totally creatively satisfied. I hated having downtime between gigs or between shows or between bookings. I also hated that the only time I would be on stage was when I was cast in something. Yeah. And you know the that opportunity would come down as someone else making that decision for you. You know, you had to fit that role perfectly, be the perfect whatever.
0: Yeah. And
1: you know, and I was very lucky and got cast in a lot of stuff, but it it, it wasn't twenty four seven. You know, you you had a lot of downtime, and so. In that downtime, I found myself being bored and hungry, hungry for more and wanting to sing more and do more. Turned to YouTube as a creative outlet, had a couple covers that got some really great exposure, started building an online fan base. Suddenly I had you know complete strangers asking me when original music was coming out and when am I gonna be releasing an album or a single or whatever. Through a friend of a friend, met a producer up here in New York who kind of took me under his wing. We recorded my debut EP. Um, And then I started going to Nashville a lot. I started really like obsessing about the music industry, really hungry to learn this side of things. Um, Went to Nashville every month for a year and a half and I still do, but I started sleeping in random motels, friends' couches, anywhere to just go around (laughs) Music City and start learning everything. Um, And then I released original music for the first time in 2018. And uh, since then, have a whole bunch of musics out, and I've gotten to do a lot of cool tours, huge shows, and my social media following is now up to over a hundred thousand social media followers. You know, I've played everything from major festivals to direct support for major label artists to headlining and selling out my own shows around the Northeast, and um, here we are. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So how long ago was it that you started on YouTube? So you started releasing music in 2018. When did you start on YouTube posting covers?
1: I want to say it was 2015. I only did three covers. So, So what happened was I was just bored one day. I got some friends together. I was like, let's do this cover. We like remade a cover of say something. You can still see it now to this day on YouTube or Spotify, whatever. And, um, Within the first week, it ended up getting like 100,000 views. It was in the Huffington Post and all this yeah. stuff. And, and I was kind of just like, nothing. My goal with this was not to start building a fan base. My goal with it was not, it was purely I was just bored and wanted to do something fun for myself, was yeah. not expecting the exposure I came with it. So it kind of like a dog made my ears perk up and was just kind of like, huh, that's yeah. kind of interesting and fun. Yeah. And simultaneously was still performing in show business, all that stuff. But so then I didn't do my next cover for about another year after. Because by the time, like, I got more friends together, I figured out what I wanted to do. We recorded it, blah, blah, blah. Then that was, like, 2015 or 16. And then, like, six months later, I was working on my third cover. And that's through that was how I met my producer. So I, I wasn't consistently doing the YouTube cover thing. I only did three, but I collaborated with people that had really big YouTube socials and followings. Mm. So when I started then doing these videos, they had a built-in fan base and I was kind of teaming up with people that kind of already knew what they were doing. So I think that was the secret and the difference.
0: And during that time, like during the gaps between the videos, were you bringing people over to like Instagram or Facebook or anything like that? Or were they literally just like subscribed and commenting on your one YouTube video and like just waiting for more?
1: yeah, so i I did not make an Instagram, I want to say until like late two thousand and sixteen, I think, was when i i I made my one. But when I did one of my covers and the the second cover I did, I teamed up with my friend Robin Adele Anderson from Postmodern Jukebox, and they've got a mm-hmm. huge following. She told me she's like, you need to make a Facebook page because I'm going to tag you and people from my page, which she's got a hundred thousand, whatever plus followers. She's like, they're going to look for you and want to. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did because they started coming over from her posting and tagging me. Yeah. So it really came from my friends that I teamed up with and them tagging me that then drew the attention and kind of then started shifting over. And then people became followers and fans from seeing me in these other videos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The reason I wanted to ask is just because it's important. I feel like to note what you were doing and the fact that it's a slow build, obviously 2015 is a very different social media landscape than now, you know, sure. and like, yeah. yeah. And it'd be like, necessarily starting on YouTube and blowing up and then creating a Facebook page, you'd probably be on TikTok or Instagram.
1: 100%, 100%. Um,
0: but it's still really important because like you said, you had a place for people to go and you made sure that you were strategically positioning yourself with other people who already had huge followings. And I'm just going to say this now, and you're going to learn more about this throughout our whole interview, but the reason Caroline is so successful is because she has such an entrepreneurial mind. Like she is always <laughs> putting herself out there and positioning herself where she needs to be. And you also do it with such grace and honesty. Like some people might be annoyed, like, Oh, you posted one cover and it got a bunch of views. Well, yeah, she did it. Cause she was just having fun. And the energy that you have behind everything you do is so genuine. That's why I think you have the success that you have. So thank
1: you, I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: But if you're listening keep this in mind, because like nothing here happened just because you were like, Walking around like a oh, lotida, I don't know, I don't care. Like you're smart about it, you're really smart about it, and you noticed when things were going well, and you capitalized on it, which is incredible.
1: Thank you. No, I appreciate that. I think I think that's been the trick to my success as an artist is because you know, what people don't realize is yes, everything is happening for me very quickly in the artist side of things. In the last like two, three years, even with the pandemic, a lot of cool stuff has happened. What people don't realize is I, before this, I had 27 years as being a professional actress and in show business and in, the performing arts industry in just another area. So I learned all the skills. I learned all the technique. I learned the way business works. I just started applying it to a different area in the last couple years, but really my work and build has been over the last 20 something years. So like I knew, okay, I need to be strategic in everything I do. Like, So this first quote unquote cover I did, I've been in front of the camera my whole life. So I knew how to make a cover and play to the camera. I've been playing piano for 20 years. So I knew how to do that. I knew how to like, hire the right people to team up with because I had that skill set. And then with this cover, I knew that like my, my YouTube following was zero. Cause I had just made a page. My friend who like had this huge YouTube following, I was like, let's put it on your page and we'll upload it there, but tag me and I'll make a playlist on YouTube. So it still links back to my page. So to your point, yes, everything was coming in with like a very strategic thing. And I'll talk about all my tricks and stuff of, of what I've done over the time, but um, yeah. Thanks for noticing that because it's a lot of work that goes into the behind the scenes of that stuff.
0: Yeah. And obviously I introduced you like, yeah, Archie's mom, because that's, <laughs> that's, <I guess. laughs> well, let's
1: be honest. That's the most important part. That is <laughs> the most important
0: part, but no, but we met because when I was working with women crush music, you had reached out to connect and you were like, I don't like the word hustling because I, I just don't like it, but like you were putting in the work. Let's just say that like you were networking, you were doing what you need to do. And so we've known each other for a really long time since I don't know, beginning-ish of your career, because you were always like, okay, I know I need to, like you said, apply these business strategies, like get in with the right people, make sure that you're just putting yourself out there. And the more people you know in the music industry, the better. It's not, in my opinion, about creating surface level relationships, but like if you are creating strategic relationships then that are genuine, then it's always going to work out for you. Um, even if it might not go exactly how you planned or work out immediately, it's always going to work out. So That being said, I would love to know if you have any tips or if there's any strategies that you use that really helped you to not only grow your audience, but also nurture your audience to be super engaged. Because, you know, it's easy enough to post a video and go viral, but to turn those people into actual fans is something else so over the years what have you done and i know now you're also you went viral on tiktok so you build there so what what do you think are the most important pillars or tips that you can give to grow on socials
1: i'll give you two tips uh in two different categories i'll give you one in relation to the fans the audience and i'll give you one in terms of uh industry turning them into fans and 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 that side of things so um as far as uh socials go I'll say I'm always really good about responding to like every DM. Every DM and private message, you know, I've got about 25,000 Instagram followers. I've got about 50 something thousand TikTok followers. I've got whatever. I, so I get messages a lot and it is work, but taking the time to reply to comments or at least liking every comment, picking and choosing what to respond with, DMing, like responding to DMs you know, I think turns people from followers into lifelong fans when you have that personal relationship with them. And I can tell you that I have so many fans that like I have that personal relationship with. Like I know their avatar when it comes through and I know their personalities because they've been like supporting and messaging me over the years and stuff like that. So, and I would also say Showing like the real side of things too, you know, like, yes, your stage shots are great and glamorous and it's a huge part of it because it is your business and your calling card. But the posts that do the best are like the ones of me and Kevin, you know, me and my husband, me and Archie. Yeah. Me and this like being, be showing them like who you are as a person and individual, I think with, with engaging with them as people is yeah. key from them to go from a follower into like a human being that they actually care to, to be a fan of and engage with. So
0: Yeah, I love that. Because a lot of people listening might not be at the place where they're getting a ton of DMs. So they're like, okay, well, in theory, I would do that. But how do I get the DMs in the first place? And I think that's the key. It's like bringing your personality into it and giving them something to engage with when it's easy before you start like blowing up with the music.
1: Totally. And you can also like follow other people. So if there are certain fan pages of artists Follow those fan page, comment on it. I love this artist too. Then they might start checking your stuff out and be like, who is this? Oh, this is cool. I have an artist following me. Like, you know, follow people that like, it also makes sense to follow and comment on their things and engage with them. And in turn, it draws attention then back to your page and and your brand. So like, you know, I've done that too. And then, you know, in terms of my strategy then for like industry and making them pay attention and getting fans in that department too, which is also really important, my, my little secret and trick is that whenever I'm out somewhere and I meet someone and we add each other on Instagram or like whatever it is, I always, or they put their number in my phone or whatever it is, I always screenshot it. So then the next day I have like a camera roll and a reminder of like everyone that I met. Mm. So I then like go and make my database and spreadsheet of industry contacts and relationships I have. And then I don't forget to add them. And then I keep track of who I've met and how I met them. And then when I go back then to Nashville, a couple weeks later, I reference that. And I'm like, oh, right. I forgot about the person i need to reach out to. And They told me to tell them when I'm in town for coffee or something like that, yeah. because we're all human. And it's impossible to like keep everything straight of everyone you met and how you met them and have them forever in your brain. Yeah. So yeah, when you go meet someone, whether it's an artist, whether it's a whatever, screenshot it. And then the next day, make note of it. And you always have that to reference. So that's how then I build up my network on that side of things.
0: Yeah. That's an awesome tip. And again, as you can see, bringing in the business side, like we are being smart here. We're keeping track of things. Um, that's amazing. So you've done this all totally independent. Like you're not signed or anything, which is amazing and very inspiring for I'm sure many people listening. But as you mentioned earlier, you also have a business where you coach people. So when did that start? Were you doing this before you officially started your music career during, when did you decide you wanted to start coaching people?
1: Sure. So um, I've always just had a passion for, uh, you know, I always loved teaching. Like when I was a child, I would get this game called let's play school. And I would make all my friends be students and I'd be the teacher. Like I really <laughs> just loved, I really did. Like I really always loved teaching and 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 the, the environment of learning and education. I, I did. And so, um, when I was even like a teenager I was an assistant dance teacher when I was I was always then babysitting you know even in college at the Boston Conservatory I was a really great tap dancer and so like I worked with the faculty as a quote-unquote tap tutor and I got paid and I would have like open office hours where anyone could schedule with me come in and I would coach them and teach them and like tap and stuff like that then I graduated from college I was a dance teacher and stuff And so um, I started, I had a friend text me out of the blue one day and she's like, I have this little boy, he's seven years old. The mom's like looking to get him involved in musical theater. Is this something you're interested in? And I was like, yeah, sure. Send him my way. I'd love to do a one-on-one private lesson with him. And I think at the time I like charged $40 for the hour and I felt so rich. And I was like, (laughs) and so from there, then some word of mouth started spreading. So then at the dance studio I was teaching dance at, Parents heard I sing and they heard I was like teaching and they said, no, are you in more class? Like, sure. So I started then probably through the dance studio making relationships with these families and these kids who then would start coming to my house for private lessons and whatever. So I went from one student a week while I was still waitressing because I just came out of college. So I was like 22 at the time and I was waitressing and then I was teaching one lesson a week. To then I started having like three to four lessons a week so then I got to a point where I was like, I, I might be able to let go of this waitress. I dropped my waitressing hours down to one hour a week, right? And then <laughs> and you're like, And the then eventually, <laughs> yeah. And then so within a year, I built it up. So I started the day after 4th of July in one year. And then by that following May, I was able to quit. So it was like 10 months of waitressing that I built up, then this coaching business. And so I've now been coaching and teaching for 10 years privately at this point. So this and- was
0: like after college and while you were still doing musical theater gigs and Correct. Yeah, in that sense.
1: And yeah. I just got a call and then organically it started building. I did not invest the time or anything into building the coaching business, really. It really just organically happened. And then I'm gonna, I gotta give a shout out to this company. I found this company called Take Lessons, takelessons.com and made a profile on there. A friend told me about it. This is in like 2015. And it starts where the company takes like, 40% of what you charge, but then after five lessons, it goes down to 30%, five lessons, 20%. So you cap out where they only take 10%, but you can set your rates at whatever you want. And so my friend told me about, uh, you know, she's like, you got to get some reviews to be higher up in the search engine. So then the entrepreneur, I was like, well, I'm going to write some fake, you know, reviews for myself. <laughs> I'm going to like figure out a way to bump myself up. And in, in, all, in all fairness, though, I did have the parents that I was working with for like, you know, the five years before who wrote me some reviews. So it wasn't all, it wasn't. It wasn't fake. (laughs) I I did write myself one or two extra ones, but yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so I built that up and now I've been with them also for five years. So between like the word of mouth locally combined with then my New York City audience combined them with Take Lessons, which they've got people all over the world. So I do Zoom coachings with like people in Saudi Arabia, Canada, Germany, that I would never have met without this this website yeah I'm at I'm at a full I've been at a full-time salary like I I work basically 15 to 15 hours a week let's say teaching but it's a full-time salary and then I'm able to have then all these other hours a week into my music and everything else so
0: which is amazing and obviously like you do so much we could have a whole episode just talking about (laughs) dancing if we wanted to totally (laughs) what I really wanted to bring you on was to talk about this part of it and how you balance these two things. And the fact that even with so much success in your music career, you are still coaching to this day. Um, and not to say that it's going to go on forever, but there are a lot of people who are multifaceted musicians listening to this. They're either coaches or musicians who also coach, um, you know, or they're doing multiple things. And I know a lot of people in the music industry feel this belief of if I'm not, full-time and making a full-time income strictly from my music, like strictly from performing or streams and, or, you know, whatever it is, then like, I'm not legit. Like if I have some other side hustle, then it's not, it's not real. I'm not actually successful. So just starting there, what are your thoughts on that belief as it is?
1: Well, I think that's ridiculous and I'll tell you why. If you really wanna be an artist at the at a national level, you really wanna get signed, you wanna be playing in the big leagues, you wanna be whatever, it is expensive AF, Yeah. right? To shoot your videos, to do your content. Yeah, do I make enough with my music that if I really wanted to, I could just do that? For- sure, but guess what? When I wanna hire a PR company for this amount of money or I wanna do a photo shoot or I get a huge festival opportunity, and the festival is only playing, paying like two grand or something. But in order for me to fly my band, have my rehearsals, and have like the top notch band from Nashville, it's gonna cost more than that. Yeah. And you know, it's amazing. You know, if or when you know people are able to get some sort of financial assistance or sponsorship and whatever. And I've been, I've been very blessed and very lucky that I've had um, some believers that have helped me with certain expenses at different parts of my career. But the thing is, is like. That's, that's a limited finite finite number. You know, it's not an open-ended thing. So like you have to be able then to, when that runs out or that finishes or whatever that is, pick up the pieces for what you need to do next. And so like, I always need to have stuff ready to go that if I wanna do something, I can do it because I'm able to fund it. I mean, to break an artist, they say it takes a million dollars to break an artist, right? That a lot of label deals, when they sign a brand new artist will have about a million dollar budget to put into it. So unless you're insanely blessed to come from parents that like, you know, can just do that for you. Yeah. It's very expensive and you have to invest in yourself. And like, you need to have a lot of money to do that. And so the more you can work and the more you can fund, like, you know, I've, I've, I've been so lucky in the sense that I've had people sponsor PR for me, right? A PR campaign or a music video for me or help me with recording certain things. But as far as like my Nashville trips every month, that's coming out of my pocket as far yeah. as like, when I have, yeah, all those things. Like if I didn't, wasn't working and able to provide and do what I had to do, I would never be where I'm at right now because I wouldn't be able to afford to do these things. And and so the more money you can make without it taking away from, look, I understand you can't go necessarily having a full-time job because you know, with 40 hours yeah. a week, cause you need yeah. that. Right. Exactly. But If you are able to have an extra stream of income so you can reinvest it to your music career and the things you really want to be doing, you'd be crazy not to because you need to have those funds accessible. I
0: love the way you just described it. And what I like to say is it's not the 1970s anymore. Like nobody is walking into like a dark bar where you're like playing on stage and they're like, oh my God, I just discovered this talent and it's untapped and I'm going to like take you and blow you up. Like nobody's actually doing the, development from the ground anymore labels publishers they want to see you having already developed yourself and sometimes to what is seems to be like a pretty extreme extent sometimes not you know you will hear about people who like go viral and then immediately get signed but usually those people grow still massive followings and have social proof and monetary proof that they're able to actually make money from what they're doing and so if you if your goal is to get signed even just at that you have to still get yourself to a place where you are making money, you know, making it nationally and have a huge fan base. And you can't do that without the funds. So if you you want to get the funds, if you want to get the label dealt, you have to have the funds in the first place. You have to do the work in the first place in in order to even get their attention. But I mean, obviously you can also just stay totally independent and then grow from there or hire on people and build your own team from there. But still you need the funds to be able to do that. So it's a, both ways you need to be able to build your own artist career and it might seem intimidating but it's not
1: (laughs) (laughs) no and you know what it is like with technology now anyone has the power to do it yeah you know you are able it used to be in the past you needed labels for distribution you needed them for this you need that like you you can go sign up anyone like joe schmo on the street could literally take a voice memo on his iphone if he wanted to sing 30 seconds go home go to tunecore.com, yeah. make an account and a username, upload it, and within 24 hours, you could get it on Spotify or iTunes if you wanted to. Yeah. You know, it, it's not a, it's not impossible to do anymore. Yes, of course, it's easier when you've got a whole network around you that has the connections and they can make some calls and like, you know, now you're landing on playlists and all kinds of things, yeah. but like anyone can do it. And so it is a little frustrating when to your point, you do see like some people like you go viral for one second. Like there's, there's someone I know in Nashville, Went viral, got signed, never played a live show before in his entire life.
0: Oh man, never played
1: a live show and got signed to one of the big major like a Universal or Sony or Warner. And I remember at one of the events he played, like, yeah, this is his first ever live show, and it's like, how the f do you sign someone that? It's always a fucking dudes. I swear to God, like, yeah, I know. I I swear to God, I don't understand. I don't understand, but whatever. But I know. Understand whatever. (laughs) It's 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 over it. (laughs) Yeah, for real. No, but. But like, you know, it's just, they don't have the budgets the way they used to years ago, right? Because the Mm recording industry and music business industry has been so financially hurt, not only from COVID and lack of touring and that, but CD sales aren't the same the way they used to be. Streaming has like fucked everyone. So they just don't have the money to your point that even if they found someone in a little basement club in Manhattan with the most insane voice they've ever heard in their life, they just don't really have the ability the way they used to years ago to be like, we're going to make you a star and we're going to sign you and we're going to develop you. So to your point, it's like, this is what I have learned over, over time. In the beginning, if I, if I was having a meeting at Warner or Sony or something like that, and I walked in and I was like, Oh my God, I'm having a meeting. My goal is to get signed. What someone told me and I've learned over the years is that your goal from that meeting is to get another meeting. That's your goal. And if you get another meeting or you get another meeting with someone else in the building, or they'll meet with you again, three months from now, That is a win and you are on your way. Mm. And so you have to look at when someone says, and I know it's very discouraging when, when you send like to a high up industry exec or whatever. And they're like, this is great. Thanks for sending, keep me posted. You're like.
0: Yeah. You know, like you want to feel like.
1: (laughs) Sure. And you're like, what? And they're like, cool. Keep us updated in the loop with anything else coming up. And you're like, what the, what else do I have to do? But that is a good sign because there's interest and they want to be aware. It's just, it's not ready yet. Doesn't mean it's not going to be ready. It just means it's not ready yet. And the more that you can do on your own as an independent artist, the better your contract's going to end up being. You know, if you get signed too early, you're going to get in a shitty 360 deal where, you know, I've had friends that, you know, have gotten offers from some of these majors and they've turned it down because they've been like, this is not a good deal. And just because it's a deal doesn't mean it's a good one yes,
0: please listen back to that. If you've ever thought about <laughs> getting a deal and it's true. Like I've heard from so many artists that they'll take meetings with these people and they'll say, Oh, you're great. We like your this, this, and that, but you need more of that, you know? Oh, we like your music and it's cool that you've been gigging, but you don't have any social media followers. So it's a no or whatever it is. Right. And it can feel really discouraging when you hear that. But in my eyes, the more you build it up on your own, the more, like you said, uh, you can get a better deal, but also you have more leverage to negotiate or to look at it honestly and say, Hey, it's actually just way cheaper for me to hire on a manager or hire on X amount of team members instead of like doing this deal and building it up on my own. But you have the choice and you can make smart decisions because you have that leverage and you have that foundation on your own. So yeah, I mean, Listen, there's plenty of people and it's not just the men. I just feel like it's always, I always see dudes who are like equally as good as women, but always seem to get ahead. But hey, that's why we do what we do on this podcast to empower mostly women. <laughs> but, yeah. but it can happen to anybody. Like you you can look at anybody and say, oh, why did they get it? And I don't, but that is not the mindset you want to have to move forward. It's more of the mindset of, okay, great. How can I just move this forward in a positive direction that serves me and maybe that's going to be another meeting maybe it's going to be choosing to go in xyz direction but i think that that mindset of desperation too like it kind of comes across and people aren't going to want to sign you or work with you if you're kind if you're always just being like all i want to do is get signed so like if you're not going to sign me i'm like i don't even want to talk to you
1: (laughs) yeah i feel like your goal in every meeting should be nothing more just to build that relationship just to build that relationship and wherever that relationship is just build it. That's the whole point of being there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, And this is, a, this is a an example that I think does translate to like this industry, but like, I'll give you an example. So, um, you know, when I was like really involved in the Broadway musical theater scene in New York, I, I was, I had relationships with a lot of the casting directors in town and and great ones. I took their workshops, I took their classes, like they would call me in for stuff. And like, there was this one particular casting company that I knew they always really liked me. Like they would, they Saw me in the hallway waiting audition, and they'd give me a hug. And it was one of the big ones, right? If they I walked in, hey Carolyn, it's so good to see you. We're so glad you're here, blah blah blah. Never cast me in anything. I would always get down at the end, I'd get a call back, wouldn't get it. Blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't because I it, I just wasn't right for it. You know, I was too tall, I'm five nine, or I'm too tan, or I'm to this, whatever it is. Yeah. And but I always knew I was like, I just have to go in and do a good job. So the notes are always great, not right for this, but we love her. That's like yeah. the way I've always thought about it. And then there was one day out of the blue this new show that I'm still involved with to this day that's being developed for Broadway, and it's been in the works for a long time. All of a sudden, my agent called me one day, and was like, we have an offer for you for this show and this thing. And I was like, where did this come from? Is this from the music director? And they were like, I don't know, maybe it's the MD, whatever. Anyway, at the presentation, the casting director and the owner came up to me and gave me a big hug, and they were like, we are so excited that we finally had something we could cast you in that you were perfect for, that when this came across our desk, it was whatever. And it's because, and I, I joke with people that I didn't audition for this. I didn't whatever, but I auditioned for it a thousand times before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like all that work, the relationship building, the time I put in, keeping them updated, them seeing me for different projects and different things. When the things aligned a year plus later and they, they thought of me, and that's the same with the music industry. It's like, there's going to be a time where you the, all that stuff will pay off and be, and be worth it. So- Don't ever get discouraged by the no's or the not now's. If the relationship is still being built and there's communication whatever, it's heading in a great direction. You just don't know when that's going to be.
0: Absolutely. And what I love that's a theme from this podcast (laughs) is relationships and it's, also shown up as you said in your coaching because that was a lot of word of mouth and of course you use that website but like tell us about how that you were able to grow that and I know that it wasn't even necessarily pr- priority at first for you to do it but how do you like keep getting clients how do you stay up to date with clients how do you make sure your roster is full basically so that you're able to have the funds to do what you do in your artist career and support yourself in general sure
1: sure so honestly where i'm at right now i'm not like working for more clients at this point i have a pretty big full list with a wait list so if someone reaches out me and wants to work, like I'll see where I can squeeze them in. But I'm really yeah. not like advertising or hustling for that. art. we hate that word, grind <laughs> it, you know, for yeah. more clients. But in the is where we ultimately all want to be, of course, everyone yeah.
0: listening, you want to get to that yeah. point. Um, but yeah, before that, what was yes, it?
1: Yes, exactly. So before that, a couple things. I've gotten clients from. You know, someone asked me, "Hey, we're doing a phone ra- fundraiser. Is there anything you can donate?" And I, I donated a free lesson package or something like that. And that person turned into like a lifelong client from that. I also, when I was teaching dance at the school, I asked the owner, like if she minded, like on the last day, if I could give out a little flyer, just saying, if anyone wanted singing or piano lessons, you know, and you're a kid. And a lot of the kids did, cause they were in dance. And they liked being around music. And the parents were like, yeah, she loves to sing. That'd be great. Yeah. I got a lot of, a lot of clients from that. I would also do a little system in the beginning where Um, hey, if you referred me to someone and they ended up becoming a client, you got a free lesson out of it or something like that. So I had, I had a variety of little incentives and then through take lessons the website. And then I would always ask people to give me a review. So this way I was collecting reviews. So now I've got like 50, 60, so I don't even know at this point, but like I built it up through that. So it was, it was a combination of, of all those things. So just in the span of like two
0: minutes, you literally gave a four or five incredible tips. I mean, testimonials, social proof, referrals, word of mouth proof, like all of these things are huge. And you teach a lot of different things too. What do you teach? Yeah,
1: I love that. So I teach kids as young as three and four, all the way up to people in their seventies. And I do everything one-on-one and it's, it's from people who, you have never taken music in their life or they're a kid or a parent who wants to get them involved, two celebrities. I have a handful of celebrity clients. I work with some people in the cast of Hamilton, people like, it's such a range of people that I work with and I do everything from private tap lessons to voice lessons to career artist mentoring to piano lessons to uh, I mean everything in the performing arts umbrella I do yeah and it's because of my background in show business and the performing arts and musical theater which you know is acting singing and dancing yeah then combined with everything I do now as an artist in the music industry it honestly is it keeps my day so exciting and like just looking at my calendar right now i'll give you just a couple examples of of today so today i have four lessons later i've got um a boy who's 16 years old and he's looking to become a professional actor so i'm telling him how to get his headshots taken where to start finding audition stuff then i have this girl who um is looking to be a professional r&b singer so getting her how to start finding your open mics how to start finding producers all that then i've got a voice lesson with a 12 year old at 1:30, and then four o'clock i have a piano lesson Tomorrow, I have a Russian student who she's trying to lose her accent and be taken a little more serious in the professional business world. So that's a voice and speech coaching. Oh my gosh. And I go to a voice <laughs> lesson into a 19-year-old boy who's an actor and then a 13-year-old girl who's um, just got signed to an agency and she's looking to do commercial work. So my day is different. all. Oh, and an artist I'm mentoring tomorrow morning. So yeah. there's my, yeah. <laughs> so if- I want to stress
0: though, like you don't have to do all these things. Like Carolyn has literally gone to school and her whole career has been like mastering all of these different things. So usually it's good, niche down, don't feel the need to like be coaching every which way, but you have the bandwidth and obviously the knowledge because it's been your whole career and your professional training to be able to do all of these different things. But with the professional, like the artist coaching, was that something that happened organically where you just had people reaching out to you? Like, hey, I'm watching your career. Can you teach me how to do this?
1: Basically, that's it. You just nailed it. That's exactly yeah. what it is.
0: And I want to talk about that for a second because I really think that it just goes to show whether you're, you know, coming from being an artist and you want to start coaching or whether you're just a coach already and you're wondering how to get new clients. There's such uh, an importance of really just showing up to the fullest and like doing your thing and providing value. And it might sound silly and almost simple and stupid, but like by you just showing up and like growing your career, it attracted the attention of people enough to just reach out to you and say, Hey, can you help me? And again, even if you're a coach and you're not focusing on your artistry right now, and your coaching is the, the main thing you're doing, if you're showing up and people can tell that your coaching business is booming or that you are getting results for your clients and that you're really like stepping into your fullest self, people are going to come to you. They're going to notice it and they're going to come to you. And the sales process is going to be much easier because they're just going to show up at your door. So what was that like when that first started happening? And why do you think it happened in the first place? Like, what do you think really compelled people to notice what you were doing and take action to actually message you?
1: Um, you're saying in relation to the artist coaching.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, or, okay. in general, but I think the artist coaching in, in particular is one where it's clearly very related, like, hey, I see you doing this thing. Can you teach me how to do this thing?
1: Sure, sure. I think, um, you know, the a lot of the people who follow me see I'm an independent artist and see these festivals I'm getting on and playing and see these artists I'm direct support for and, you know, the different things that I'm doing. And I think you know, from a distance without me trying to be like, hey, what I'm doing is working. I think people see that and they're like, dang, I'm independent, she's independent. How is she doing this? And I want to be able to do this. And I feel stuck or I feel like I'm spinning in place and like, I really want to push forward. Maybe she can give some advice. And I'm always like open for like, if you've got a quick question, I'll tell you like, yeah, try this website or, you know, you're looking to just show here or this. But when it comes to people who I think like, really want to understand I'm also not a closed off person like I believe in strength in numbers I believe that anyone who gets anywhere does it not by themselves but with the help of others at some point you know it's it's you can't do everything on your own forever you know other people need help and I feel like the more you know and you can share the more it's good karma it's like yeah. the more we can all help each other and so um, I, I always just get really passionate when an artist is like Can I do a session with you and tell, like, just talk to you? And I'll, like, I'll tell you everything I know. You send me everything you're doing. Send me your pitch email. Send me what your one sheet looks like. What is your release plan and strategy? How are you going about? Are you, what, you know, if you're in country music, are you in Nashville often? When you go to Nashville, what are you doing in Nashville? And then I just, we, you know, kind of run with it from there. But yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So obviously,
0: A lot of people invest in you. They are paying you to teach them what you know. They're paying you for voice lessons, whatever it is. Where do you invest in your music career? And what do you think about the importance of investing in really whatever it is? I'm just curious, like what you think.
1: I think it is insanely important. I can tell you, I have coaches and mentors of my own in the Nashville country music industry that have consulting companies or have whatever and their former heads of labels or their former um, heads of you know whatever it is and I do one-on-one coachings with them where you know I take workshops where I can get online and zoom and, and sign up for a master class or something like that. And you know I do mentoring sessions and stuff for myself where it's like I can then make a list of all my questions and ask. And to be honest, I do think that's what makes me a really great coach and teacher too, is that Um. I'm still furthering my education on a daily basis. So I'm very current. It's like, what's going on? You know, I'm not an older retired teacher where it's like, I did this 20 years ago and I'm passing on what I know. No. You guys know how I I feel about that and those people. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, I have all this, this knowledge of, you know, what's going on and it's accurate knowledge. So combined then, I'll then hear it straight from the horse's mouth, who's the former head of blah, 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 and just left and started his own company. He's very fresh with all that stuff. So I'm able to ask those questions. And then guess what? With my artists, I can then go to them and be like, this is what's up, you know, and, and pass it on. So I forget where I was going with that, but yes. Anyway, I do invest (laughs) in myself in, in, in as much as I can, in my education, I invested in a, in a course that was like $900, but it teaches you all about Um, the real deep, 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 deep analytical dive of Facebook ads and Instagram ads and how you can turn that then into growing your socials and your, and your Spotify following. I haven't started the course yet and I did buy it three months ago. So shame on me, but (laughs) but I'm doing it and I do plan on doing it, but you know, yes. So, so yes, I invest, I still pay for my own voice lessons with the professionals in Manhattan. I yeah, you know, yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it. And that's why I teach and coach so I have the funds to do it. Yes, exactly. Because it's so important that you're
0: giving yourself the tools that you need to get further faster. I mean that's why we coach and that's why we have coaches. No matter what you're doing, that's why you do those things to help people move forward faster or also to help yourself move forward faster by getting a coach. So coaches need to
1: the best pitcher in major league baseball has a pitching coach. Yeah. Cause sometimes they can see things that you can't
0: see and they can help you in ways that you can't help yourself.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it's also just someone that keeps you on track. It keeps you like, you know, you've got, and yeah, exactly. It's like, you, you may not see something that you're not doing totally right or whatever. And you've got an extra set of eyes and ears and I mean, yeah, I feel like you'd be crazy not to, you're never at a point where you're like, I'm too good, I don't need this. Like even Carrie Underwood still goes for a voice lesson here and there, you know, it's like.
0: Yeah, yeah. So a couple more questions before we wrap up. I would love to ask you how you balance it all. Uh, Obviously we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, how do you keep up with all of the different lessons that you're teaching and have time to grow your career? How do you compartmentalize, manage your time, all of that juicy stuff in a way that makes it not, like cripplingly overwhelming?
1: Sure. So, um, it, it, it's definitely a skill set. I've really worked to develop. I thought for a second, you were going to be like, it is cripplingly overwhelming. (laughs) Uh, No, no. You know, like I, first of all, I'm also someone who just thrives on having a hundred thousand things going on at once. Like I I genuinely feed off of it. So like, um, I enjoy, I do enjoy it, but okay. A couple of things I will say, Really? So when I have a huge performance week, I go very light on my coaching and teaching. And so I'll tell someone, Hey, we're not going to do a lesson this week, but next week we'll double up. So we, we don't miss and we make up for it. Right. So it ebbs and flows. Right. So when I'm on tour, I'm doing this coaching is very limited. But then when I come home for a week, like I'm, I came home from a festival on Sunday and my, I don't leave until next Thursday. So I've got 10 days So I'm like doubling up lessons, tripling up. We, you know, so I I pound the pavement then.
0: In between gigging, it's like, obviously, okay, I'm gigging and then I'm teaching, but how are you booking the gigs, running the social media, like doing the more day-to-day stuff with all of that?
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. So, so in these ebb and flow times or in quiet times, I try to limit my coaching to about 15 max, 20 hours a week. So I still have all the other hours to do all those things. I try to pick and choose days. So like people in the industry aren't really gonna respond to emails on a Friday. And on Monday, everyone's catching up with their own shit. So I try to book all my coachings and my private lessons on like Mondays and Fridays. So then industry emails and all the behind the scenes work is like a Tuesday, Wednesday. Those are like the golden days for that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So so I'll be strategic in like the days I'm doing emails and then the days I'm saying I'm coaching, I'm teaching so it doesn't conflict. I also will say like, you know, you do have to have work-life balance like when I got home from that festival and I had was exhausted with everything, like I didn't get out of bed the next day until 11:30. I was like, you know what? I deserve this. I don't have anything to do, to do today. I purposely booked my morning or kept it open so I could like recover and rejuvenate for a minute. Yeah, And stayed in bed with Archie till 1130, you know, <laughs> I, my husband also is like, and it's, I'm glad he does this. And at times I hate it, but I'm, I am ultimately glad that he does. This is like, obviously I'm very passionate and obsessed about like this whole world. And I love it so much that I could do this morning, noon, and night, Yeah, but he's not in the industry. And he's like, you know, by nine o'clock, he's like, Carolyn, like, I love you finish up your last thought on this, but like come nine o'clock. Like we got to shut this down and let's go watch a TV show. And let's just not talk about this for the rest of the
0: night. (laughs)
1: He's like, like, yeah, exactly. The
0: nicest guy that I can totally picture him doing that. And that what a, what an amazing partner to have who can realize like, okay, I know that you need to thrive off of this. And I also know that you need to like relax a little bit. Otherwise you're just going to go nuts.
1: And you know, and, and you know, if you have a significant other that can do that for you, that's great. And if you don't like set an alarm on your phone that like, I'm going to work until this become nine or 930 I'm going to take a boat back. I'm going to read a magazine and I'm going to do something that's unrelated. And yeah. so I do, I do feel like giving yourself periods, whether it's daily or weekly to just step away from it will help you with the balance of
0: everything too. I love that. That's amazing. Okay. So before we let you go, is there any last piece of advice you would give to someone who is doing both, who's growing their artist career and coaching and just wants to be able to like, feel like they can give their all to both and really have the support, the financial means and the freedom that they need to feel secure and confident doing both.
1: Yeah. Um, and this is going to go back to what I was saying before. And to be honest, this is something that I've struggled with too in the past where I'm like, I just want to be doing music 24 seven, like the behind the scenes stuff. I don't want to take 15 hours a week or 20 hours a week to be coaching because it's time away and whatever. Yeah. What I find, and it's taken me a minute, especially in the pandemic, cause everything is virtual, right? Everything music wise for the most part, cause touring stopped has been behind the scenes Yeah. and coachings have all been virtual. So I'm in the same room all day, every day. Me personally, I have my best days and my most uh, productive days when I have designated coaching days and then designated artist music days. Yeah. I, for a long time, I was like, I'll do a lesson at 11 and then I'll do a lesson at two and then I'll do a lesson at five. And in between, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. It is so hard to shift gears and you don't get into a rhythm and you don't get into a focus totally. that I would have these unproductive days where I'd be like, what am I doing? So if you can find, okay, no, Monday and Friday are going to be my teaching or my work days or whatever. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are going to be the other days when you're able to wake up and stay in that zone of what hat you're wearing. I think you are then able to balance it because then you're productive during that time. So that's my tip is pick your days, get in the zone, stay there for the day, make it a designated day. And then you can go back to the other stuff at a different time.
0: I love that. I mean, even I'm focused fully on my business. Like I'm not doing music right now and I still batch work my days and like theme my days because it makes you more productive. And like you said, it helps you not have to be switching your brain all the time. So that is a brilliant piece of advice.
1: Even life too. Like, I mean, you need life days, you know, you have to book a day where like, this is not a work day, coaching day. And this is not an artist day. This is like, shit, I got to do my laundry. I have a doctor appointment. I have to take the car to the car wash. Yeah, And like, oh my God, you know what? I'm going to cook dinner for the first time tonight in a long time. And then it's mom's birthday. So I'm going to come over with a cake later. Like you need those days too. So schedule them in schedule your life days, your coach days and your artist days. And that's, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah. It's so easy
0: to not take off, especially because in this industry, if you're in it, you're probably extremely passionate about it. So it's very easy to just like go, go, go all the time. So I love that. Like, remember you have a life. <laughs> yeah, are, totally. Not just here to work.
1: <laughs> and and I think the best artists are the ones where like you have life experiences and moments to pull from. And sometimes you make your best work when you take a month off and you go yeah. do something else. That's when your, your road blockage clears and you have more inspiration is when you've got, more life things that fulfill you and make you happy and stuff like yeah. that. And I think, I think the more life you can live, the better artist and business person and teacher you become. Completely
0: amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Tell us, yeah, how you so can follow you, connect with you, all that juicy stuff.
1: Yeah, just everything at Carolyn Miller Music. C A R O L Y N Miller Music. That's Insta, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, website, all that stuff. And um, yeah, check it out. Amazing.
0: Everyone, screenshot this episode, tag Carolyn and myself in it, post it on your stories and let us know what your favorite part was. And Carolyn, thanks again for coming on.
1: Woo! Thanks, girls.
0: See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Out to Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezucardi.com. See you next week.